Uh, hello. Hi. <laughs> I was still making sounds. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta fucking scream or groan it out. I legit, when we uh, logged in and I was talking to Rachel, I told her to um, remove her headphones from against her ears so that I could just scream into the void. Yeah. Into the void. Some- into the void. Sometimes you have to scream into the void and sometimes the void screams back. Yeah, it was one of those days. Yep, it's been one of those weeks. It's been one of those lives. (laughs) True, true (laughs) that. (laughs) Fucking true. Um, you said you have a happy belated inauguration to you. Thank fuck. (laughs) Oh my god, there was just this like spirit of like joy in the air yesterday. There really was, and like I was getting really. I was getting really upset because like Facebook was my Facebook is just peppered with people from all walks of life at this point. And I've had to block a lot of them and mute a lot of them. So I'm getting a lot of like both sides. And I'm just like, I'm done with you now. I don't want to deal with this anymore. And a lot of them were like, people they are like, yeah, this is great and all, but we have to focus on. And I'm like, I get that. I know the work's not done, but, but can we just please. have one day? Yes, just, I, I know. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, we got this fucking monster out of here. Like, I I know. And pl- trust me, there, I will, this is the day where I will start critiquing everything this administration does. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just going to sit down and be like, oh, yes, everything is perfect. But I just wanted one day that I wasn't filled with existential dread. Yes. And, and it's like, at least, like, I don't I don't care who you are or where you fall on the political spectrum, but Biden gave a beautiful speech. I don't he did. Care. He emphasized unity. He emphasized um, getting out of this like darkness that we've been in. Yeah. Like, I, I don't care. It was a very it was a very like nice and eloquent ceremony from what like all the parts I saw. Bernie yeah. Sanders was sitting in his little chair with his cute mittens. Oh my god. We don't deserve Bernie. He's cute. I'm, we ne- we I'm never deserve the, Bernie. I'm tired of the memes but like. <laughs> oh I'm not. I'll, I, I love. I'll go down with that ship. I love him and I love the memes. But I, I, but you know I, I thought it was I, I'm just like you know what just let this please please God just let this like be yeah. a, a light at the end of the tunnel and I cried watching uh, our new vice president yes it, it, it's a big deal it's, it's a really a very big, big deal, deal. Um, so it was a, it was a good day yesterday was a bit of light in the dark hole we've all been in yes and uh, uh, trust me i will be fucking criticizing the fuck out of everything they do don't get it twisted but i can not cultists like no but i will at least uh, i think i read this really really good um this really good tweet it was really insightful and it said something like americans are not good at appreciating while also critiquing yeah yeah it's like we we can it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive we can be thankful that that piece of shit administration is over and also be like okay but we're still gonna look at this with like a critical lens we're not just gonna let shit slide yeah absolutely like it's not gonna go anywhere we just needed one day just one day of reprieve but it's like but we can but and we can appreciate that we can appreciate that this is a much more level-headed and um positive more diverse like administration like that's a good thing yeah and we can appreciate that without having to 
you know, pick it apart and say we hate it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <sighs> yeah. That's all I have to say about that. I agree. Um, this is totally, I mean, kind of on topic, but it just kind of shows that like people will blindly follow others without knowing anything about them. Uh, Kellyanne Conway is an abusive bitch. Fuck her. Fuck she, her. <laughs> her poor sweet daughter is on TikTok. Okay. Her name's Claudia. Where did and she even go? Where did Kelly Conway even go? She needs to crawl back to hell where she fucking belongs. <laughs> but she, her daughter posts videos of this woman literally verbally attacking her every goddamn day. And like, it breaks my heart. Like, she doesn't deserve that. No child deserves that. She's a narcissistic. I almost said the C word. Uh, well, you could have. I wouldn't have cared. <laughs> I mean, it's not that. I just feel like somehow the the bitch is going to hear this and sue us. But, like, I just – she just abuses her and makes it out like she's mentally ill and she's gaslighting the fuck out of her. And, like, you can hear – like, I just – my heart breaks for this girl. So, you know, your idols are fucking trash. Remember that. Ew. She – like, where – what did happen to her? I legitimately don't know. I don't either. She just fell off because she's an irrelevant cunt. Yeah. It had to come out. It had to come out. I just she took the midnight train back to Satan's butthole. Yeah, and she can fucking stay there. But anyway, yeah. So she's like now blocking her kids on social media and like trying to have all the videos taken down because it shows that she sucks so fucking hard. And like, um, okay, what? <laughs> okay, uh, you know? Yeah. Do you remember this? <laughs> so people like now like the term fake news has become like a thing like a household thing yeah but it's yeah. sad saying sad, sad after everything or wrong oh my fucking fuck oh, it's okay we don't, we don't have to go back there it's done but but what i remember from kellyanne conway though and it didn't take off like i wished that it would do you fucking remember alternative facts <laughs> that was my favorite thing you know the only thing i know that this bitch did hmm Went in the Oval Office and dug her boots into the fucking couch. And all I can think of is the Dave Chappelle skit <laughs> of, uh, I think, who was it? It was, uh, he was pretending to be uh, Rick James. Uh-huh. And he Rick walks James. in, he's like, he rubbed his, dug his dirty boots in the couch. He's like, fuck your couch. Fuck your couch. <laughs> I just, that's all I can think of. There were so many memes of her doing that. That's the only thing I know that bitch ever did. She's the one that said alternative facts on the news on national television she said those are i forget what it was in reference to but she's like those would be considered um alternative facts and it's like that is actually just an untruth that is a that is a lie (laughs) like i cannot i cannot and i oh my god i wanted that to take off so much because i think it's a lot like um, I think it's like a lot catchier than fake news, like alternative facts. I oh yeah. god, alternative facts. Got fake news. There's no alternative. Like it's There's- it's fact or not fact. <laughs> you stupid <Yeah>. bitch. <laughs> um, I'm trying. Uh, oh oh, it was about the numbers at his inauguration. 
Like he kept. Oh, that's right. That's right. That he kept saying like it was so. It was so like um. It was so well attended. Blah blah blah. Um. That's what it was in regards to, though. <laughs> mm, I'm so glad we're done with that shit. I know. Oh man, long live alternative facts. So if long live them. Just a tip, a hot tip for anybody that plans on like cheating on their spouse or something. You can use that. You can be like, oh no, I didn't cheat. That's an alternative fact. <laughs> That's just an alternative fact. When someone catches you doing something that you don't want, the, no, that's just an alternative it's a, it's fact. An alternative fact. <laughs> Are you going to believe me or the alternative fact? Uh, come on, now you're smarter than the alternative fact. <laughs> I cannot. Anywho, do you have an icebreaker for us? I do. Yes. Yeah, so. Okay. I uh, I poached this from another podcast again, but I thought it was fun. I okay. don't honestly even remember if we did this or not or something like it but it my question is now we can do two things what kind of dog are you but then also what kind of dog would the other person be mm, can we do both yeah yeah for sure okay um hmm. do you have a dog for me and yourself so for myself i think that i would be a border collie okay because I feel like they're they're very like loyal and they're very kind, but they will also like fuck up a squirrel when they see one. Like if they see something that they don't not that I'll fuck up squirrels, but like as a as a metaphor, like they they will they will attack when necessary, when something that they are loyal to is getting in their way. Okay. That is what okay. I think I am. As for you, I don't know that yet. Do you have any of do you have any ideas for either? So for you, I am torn between a Great Pyrenees. Okay. Because Great Pyrenees are extremely loyal dogs. Okay. Um and they're also guardians and protectors. Ah, I like that. And they kind of like herd pe- dog, you know. They're herding dogs, so they herd things along. But I just see that in you of, like, taking care of people and worrying about people and, you know, wanting to do better for the world. Aww. That's sweet. So, um, but then, also, this is a little little silly, um, a Yorkie. <laughs> for you? For you. Oh, for me? <laughs> yes. Because they're also very loyal dogs. Um, and they are very sweet, but they'll fuck you up. If, uh, you know, something's not, not like, they're not, they're not afraid of anything is essentially what I'm trying to say. Like, my Yorkie was never afraid of anything. Like, my Yorkie thought it was a fucking pit bull and would have destroyed anyone. Okay. Um, And I just mean that in the way of, like, he was protective. So, like, I can see that as well for you. Okay. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Um, I would just say I'm a mutt, to be honest. (laughs) Okay. Not even like a dog, like a specific breed. Um, but I, I would just say I'm a mutt. I guess I could be a Pekingese. Mm, I kind of, you know what? I, I'm, as I'm thinking about it, I kind of get like a Corgi vibe from you. Okay. Like very, like they're not, I don't think they're terribly like high maintenance dogs, but they... I feel like they're also very like they're like a, a like a solid like f- like a friend 
Okay. Like a snuggly friend. They're friend shaped. That's cute. Like that's always got, it's like, I I feel like a corgi is like a dog that always has your back. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I can see that. I can see that. I get a corgi vibe. I I love corgis too. Speaking of dogs. I know. Can't you hear them back there? they got cute little butts. They do got cute little butts and cute little ears and they're just adorable. Um, The reason I said Pekingese is, well, one, I just really love Pekingese. And two, um, they, uh, they're very loving and affectionate with their family. Okay. Um, but <laughs> they really don't trust strangers. Yes. Okay. I could see that. And they're really good watchdogs, which is kind of funny for such a tiny dog. Um, but they're like also very, they bond very closely with their chosen humans. Okay. So that's kind of why I said that. But like, I definitely like the Corgi. This like look listen to this corgi um description. They range from happy, smart, fun-loving, loyal, stubborn, and playful. Yeah, okay. <laughs> they are adorable little troublemakers. <laughs> okay. All right, yeah. I can I can get behind that. That you won't a- be able to help but laugh at when they get up to some mischief. Yeah, all right. I feel I like, like it. I feel like that's a very Rachel pup. It was a very yeah, that's I like it. That's really good. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah, that was fun. We've never done that. I think we maybe did like an animal one. Like what? Yeah, I think what animal would you be? But we didn't pick one for each other. I don't think. Yeah, I like. I I like that. that. It's it's silly, and I don't know if it's just because I like the affirmation that someone actually like cares about me or what. But I really like at like these kind of questions where it's like, what do you see me as? Because it also kind of shows me how other people see me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which we yeah. don't get very often. I just heard a kitty. Oh, yeah. There he is. Well, and I could also, I was also thinking of pulling a Donna, a Donna Meagle from Parks and Rec where they were playing, they were actually playing this game. Do you remember that episode? Yes. Yes. And, and um, Donna was like getting pissed at April because she couldn't figure out what kind of dog she was. But then April's like, you're not a dog. You're a cat. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm kind of a cat too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I could, I could definitely see you as a cat rather than a dog but if you were a dog i mean i think it'd just be a very loyal i mean you even said that just a very loyal breed and like yeah and i could see i could see the herder thing like keep it keep it oh god get off my computer no speaking of cats this little shit yeah well hi honey what do you want no you're not gonna get on my keyboard though all right why do they do that i don't know i don't know Mm. oh goodness well oh i have an update (sighs) yes Yes, let me pull it up. Mm, it is regarding our friend Purvis Payne um, and the Innocence Project. Oh, son of a bitch. There it is. Okay, let me read you. It's actually Innocence Project's latest Instagram post um, from two days ago. Okay. Today, the Innocence Project submitted results of DNA testing to the Shelby County Criminal Court in Purvis Payne's case. This is in quotes. The DNA testing results are consistent with Purvis Payne's longstanding claim of innocence, said Purvis's lawyers, um, Vanessa Potkin, the Innocence 
Projects Director of Post-Conviction Litigation, and Kelly Henry, Supervisory Assistant Federal Public Defender of the Middle District of Tennessee Capital Habeas Unit. Male DNA from an unknown third party was found on key evidence, including the murder weapon, but unfortunately is too degraded to identify an alternate uh, suspect via the FBI's database. We continue mm-hmm. to find it frustrating and disturbing that the state still has no explanation for how key pieces of, e- of DNA evidence that could conclusively prove who committed this crime, including the victim's uh, fingernail clippings, have gone missing. <laughs> Today's results make... <laughs> like, I can't. Today's results make crystal clear that it would be a gross miscarriage of justice for Tennessee to execute Purvis Payne. Purvis always maintained his innocence and lives with... And lives, I'm sorry, with an intellectual disability, which makes it unconstitutional to execute him. Governor Lee has given Purvis a reprieve of execution due to the COVID-19 pandemic until April 9th, which we knew. And his petition for clemency is currently pending. So there, there is a, an, an update. Um, nice. Yeah, I really think it's uh, extremely disheartening that this evidence... That could exonerate him um, has, quote unquote, gone missing. Yeah. Yeah. But there's an update that there is DNA and it is not Purvis's DNA, but they can't figure out, they can't trace the DNA back. I think it's like one of those things where like they can tell what the DNA is not. Like they can tell that it does not match him, but they can't tell whose it is. Like they need it to, I feel like they need it to match against something. But it's too degraded to do that. Right. I don't, I don't know if I'm explaining that well, but um, it does seem to say that it's not his DNA. They just don't know whose it is. I am very frustrated with the fact that, you know, we aren't technically allowed to execute those with intellectual disabilities. So why, why are we? Why is it on the table? <laughs> Yet Lisa Montgomery was just executed. Yes, exactly. Yep. Um, very clearly with an intellectual disability and, you know, I just, here Mm -hmm. we are. Uh, those, those broke my heart. There was one, oh, I forget, I forget the, the, the man's name now, but, um, Kim Kardashian, what I, I I don't know if you know that, that she's like heavily involved with this kind of work. Yeah. Which is, I was not expecting that. No, I, I wasn't either, but I respect it a lot. Um, and she was trying to um work to exonerate one um, uh brandon bernard yes yep and that unfortunately did not happen but i can't think too hard about it because it makes me incredibly incredibly sad <laughs> oh yeah i was i was really distraught over the lisa montgomery one and, and don't get me wrong what she did was absolutely horrific i don't i do not mean to say that she does not deserve some type of punishment because oh, she does i don't i don't believe in the death penalty at all i don't care right. if you're guilty of sin it's not our right i i feel like when the government is making the call to end someone's life that that's not i don't that doesn't sit right with me we we do not what what makes us any better than the murderer at that point we can't play god here and beyond that it also costs more Yes, it does. Put someone on death penalty than it does on just life in prison. So you know, and whatever. it's also not. It's also not a deterrent of crime. It's not a deterrent at all. I yeah. just don't. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, Thanks for I, the update, though. Yeah, yeah. I just thought that I thought that, that was interesting. Um, I mean, April 9th is gonna. I think that it was the ninth, but you know, April's coming up. Like, it's not gonna be long before that's no. here. Um, I would always encourage anyone that's interested to donate to Innocence Project or even just look them up and see what they've done. They're the ones that also help the Central Park Five. Um, Mm -hmm. they do really, really, really awesome work. So, yeah. And also just, you know, writing to your representatives, things like that. Like we need to hold these people fucking accountable for allowing shit like this to happen. Yeah. It's not going to go anywhere, you know, but it might help in some way. Who knows? Just, just fucking tell people about the injustice of it all. And get the word out because people don't know. Like, I don't think people actually knew about the Lisa Montgomery, you know, thing until she just popped back up because she was going to get executed. And people don't don't know these laws and all that. So, you know, spread the word. I read something like um, I don't want to completely butcher this, um, but I think didn't Trump didn't he have like the most federal executions or something? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, he rushed a ton of executions you're just like that's so gross i that that is so gross i fucking hope the door hit him in the ass on the way out i i do too but Uh. um okay well i don't have a doom and gloom case so that's nice that's great it's very fucking long though okay um your story last week almost gave me my story this week because Originally, I was going to do a story on the Donner Party. Ooh, you know the- yes. yes. I was actually, oh, you read my fucking mind. I was looking, um, I was looking into the Donner Party in my tedious search last week for, yeah. um, but then this, yeah, but then that came up. So, okay. Mm-hmm. So I was going to do the Donner Party, but the, all the DNA stuff for the Donner Party is all over the fucking place. Uh-huh. And I was just like, I just, I just, I'm not feeling it right now. And so do you today, know there's this idea that the Donner Party didn't really go down the way that we've been told? Yes. Yep. And there's, there, there's actually, so far from what I could tell, there's really no actual proof, like that, DNA wise, that yeah. they ate people. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, it's it's yeah, a very that's what weird I mean. thing. Like, yeah. yeah. So I was just like, eh, I don't want to do that. So then I started digging. And did you know that there is, um, an, I don't want to call it an award, but I don't know what else to call it. But since 2017, there is an organization that has put together essentially an award for the DNA hit of the year. What? Which I thought was really cool because it led to me finding a ton of really fucking neat cases. Um, Send me that shit. I was just going to be like, where do you find this? So the website's corrupted right now. <laughs> um, so then that was a that <laughs> oh. was a fucking dead end for me because okay. I was like, oh, fuck yeah, let's do the DNA hit of 2020, uh, which was a burglary, by the way. Um the burglary of the century, I think is what they called it. But either way, I was like, ah, fuck. All right, well, I don't want to do that now. But it led me down another dark hole. And somehow I stumbled across this case, which I did not think was going to provide me with much information. But I ended up writing quite a bit of information about it. So uh, I'm going to jump in. Okay, I'm ready. Um, I just up front want to give all credit for this information to Matt Wolf. He wrote this beautiful 
well-researched and investigated article for the New Republic. He did a hell of a lot of work for this case, worked on it for several years. Um, and the, his article is where I got 99.9% of my information. So I just want to give him full credit for this story uh, before I go in. Um, so here we go. It seemed like a typical opening morning at the Burger King in Richmond Hill, Georgia. Sun Yo Hour, an employee of the restaurant, went back to the dumpsters behind the restaurant as part of his duties. When he did, he noticed something extremely odd. He found an unconscious man next to the dumpsters. It was before dawn, but the naked man's skin was covered in severe sunburns and he was sweating. Fire ants riddled his body with bites and a red rash covered his skin. In a state of shock, Our screamed and ran back inside the Burger King. They called the police, and when they arrived, the man was conscious but confused. An officer filed an incident report stating that a vagrant had been found sleeping. An ambulance took him to St. Joseph's Hospital in Savannah, Georgia, and he was admitted on August 31st, 2004, under the name Burger King Doe. (laughs) (sighs) I understand why they do the things they do with these namings, but like it leads to some really shitty names. It really does. Burger King Doe. Burger like, King Doe. Can you imagine having to be that like having to be that guy? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yep. I also want you to take real good consideration of the report that was made that he was a vagrant and he had been found sleeping. Um, because it's going to come back wow, later. Yeah, a, a vagrant. That's. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And I'm remind me what year am I in? Uh, 2004. Okay. In uh, in Georgia. Okay. Um, the gentleman so showed no sign of physical injury other than the rash and sunburn. He had cataracts that left him nearly blind, but his vitals were good. His blood tested negative for drugs and alcohol. A doctor wrote that his lab results were surprisingly within normal limits. He was a white man in his mid-50s with a long, unwashed beard and dirty fingernails. It appeared that he had been living rough, but the only signs of trauma were from a previous injury that had left three small depressions on his skull and some scars on his neck and left arm. Psychologically, there was something majorly wrong. He refused to eat or speak, kept his eyes shut, and whenever he was touched by medical staff, he would thrash his limbs around. After a few days, he finally ate some ice chips and spoke to a nurse. He stated that he had lived in the woods for 17 years. And when he was asked for his name, he said, they call me BK around here. The nurse tried to redirect him and said that wasn't his real name and that he was getting confused because they called him BK because Burger King Doe. Mm -hmm. He simply repeated, BK, but you're getting me confused. Things were going as well as could be expected with his psychological state, but on the eighth day, he became extremely agitated. He would swear at the nurses and called them demons and beasts. He'd swing his fists and spit at them when they'd come near him. He called them all devils. A doctor diagnosed him with catatonic schizophrenia and prescribed him Haldol, which is a very powerful antipsychotic. Mm-hmm. He was transferred to a psychological ward at a public hospital across town. He stated he did not remember his name, where he lived, or how he had come to be in Georgia. He said that he thought he might be from Indianapolis and that he had three brothers, but he couldn't remember their names or faces. He couldn't recall a single person he knew. 
He had very few memories, in fact. He remembered the inside of an old movie theater, a long road through a cornfield, and some streets that he believed were in Denver, Colorado. He was certain about one thing, though, his birthday, which was August 29th, 1948. Okay. doctors treating him thought that he was faking amnesia. He was too lucid to be suffering from schizophrenia at that point, and his memory for impersonal facts was unimpaired. So, for example, he knew that the president at the time was George W. Bush mm-hmm. and that the United States had invaded Iraq for the second time in 2003. It was just the details of his own life that he couldn't remember. And they thought that maybe he was doing that because he was running away from something, because it's a tactic that people who are running away from something often use. Uh, other staff at the hospital believed him, though, because his dip- distress seemed very genuine. This pisses me off to no end because the amount of times that I've been told that something is in my head, nothing's wrong with me, or I'm faking something by a doctor is unbelievable. And it happens to people all the fucking time, and it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I'm not going to get into whether or not he was faking it right now, but it's very annoying that doctors can just write someone off like that and not fully treat them. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, so... It's, it's just something to note that that happens in the U.S. more often than we think. In January of 2005, four months after being found, he was transferred to a residence for the homeless and indigent in downtown Savannah. At this point, he told the director of the center that he was tired of being called BK and that he thought his name was Benjamin, spelled with two A's. He couldn't remember his last name, but he chose Kyle. Spelled with two, okay. B-E-N-J-A-M-A-N. Oh, okay. Instead of the I at the end of Min. Uh So Benjamin, essentially. Okay. Um, He couldn't remember his last name, but he chose Kyle until his real name could be found. He was quickly a favorite among the nurses who tried to jar his memory by questioning him. He enjoyed reading the small library in the shelter and he always volunteered for chores and helped around the shelter. Because of the cataracts, he could only see a few feet in front of him, so he moved the mop in very small circles around the floor at his feet until the room was clean. Eventually, he was trusted as staff at the shelter, given keys for the building, and even made himself a nice uniform from the donation closet of a white shirt, white shoes, and white pants. Two years after being at the shelter... Catherine Slater, a nurse, began working night shifts. Benjamin was often up late and they became close. She felt badly that he had been separated from his family, but wasn't sure she bought the amnesia part. She wanted to help him figure out who he was, and she thought it would be an easy task that would maybe take six months at best to figure out. She was very wrong. (laughs) For years, every attempt to figure out his real identity failed. The police, FBI, journalists, missing persons experts, amateur detectives, they all tried to figure out who he was, but couldn't crack the case. The government had no record of him. No one recognized him, despite his photo being plastered all over television and the internet. But like, okay, if he had legit amnesia, like... Wouldn't wouldn't there be something wouldn't there be some kind of like damage in his brain that they could see or like 
or is they, that not, I guess it's, not. Okay. Not technically. Like there are different kinds of amnesia and they aren't okay. all caused by like physical trauma or blunt force trauma or anything like that. Okay. They can be caused by like psychological trauma, emotional trauma, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, like if, have you heard it like, you know, how people repress memories and then they come out? Yeah, but that's this just seems so severe. Like Yeah. Uh, okay. Yep. Um, just a heads up, you get no fucking reason for this. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> awesome. So yeah. it's un- it's unresolved confusion. Yeah. There's speculation, but there's it's one of those things where like you just you can't you, they can't figure out what exactly happened. Okay. They have ideas, but they aren't sure. Okay. Um, so a decade after he was found at the dumpsters in the Burger King parking lot, he still had no idea who he was. Somehow, despite living in a world where the government can keep tabs on us and we have so many different avenues of reaching people like social media and camera phones, no one knew who he was. It was as if he hadn't existed at all and had popped up out of thin air. Slater said that he was smart, shy, and deeply wounded. He was a big man, thick in the chest and legs, with a long, narrow nose and a bristly push broom mustache. Uh, Benjamin spoke in a monotone uh, voice that was thin, high, and slightly whiny, with a hint of a Midwestern accent. He read a lot, mostly science fiction, and he liked to fix things and listen to NPR. He loved to talk about restaurant equipment, industrial-grade stoves, high-end coolers. Mostly, though, he stayed inside his own head. She wondered about his family. He seemed like the kind of man that people would miss. She started to browse missing persons websites and posted pictures of him on message boards asking if anyone recognized him. She reached out to police because she assumed that he had been attacked by someone who had beaten him up and stolen his clothes. She learned that the police in Richmond Hills never opened a criminal case. There was no evidence that he had been assaulted and they didn't want to investigate. <laughs> One special agent. Oh, wait, sorry. I jumped ahead. She contacted the FBI field office in Savannah and they were unwilling to investigate as well. One special agent, Bill Kirkconnell, agreed to take Benjamin's fingerprints and put them in the FBI's national database that has more than 113 million sets of prints. Mm -hmm. They also placed his photo on the missing persons page, even though they knew exactly where he was. He was the first person to be classified as missing, even though his location was known. He was... He also sent copies to Interpol and Canadian authorities and made inquiries to the U.S. Marshals Service in case he happened to be enrolled in witness protection. Hmm. Okay. None of this That's produced, interesting. Right. I mean, like, he really did go all the avenues that he could have thought to go, yeah. you know. Um, none of this produced any results. He was listed in the FBI database as an unidentified living person. <laughs> oh, my God. Right. So weird. Bo Preston was an employee at the Georgia Bureau of Investigation who actually trained officers on how to use the FBI database. So she was very well versed in how to use it. She actually researched people who matched uh, Benjamin's descriptions uh, who went missing the whole way back to the 70s. They looked through over 350 cases and she thought she had found his identity, but it ended up not being a match. 
In 2007, Slater was frustrated with the lack of progress and contacted the media to publish his photo even more, and they did a story on him. As each story ran, they got more tips, but they all led nowhere. Benjamin seemed like he was getting more and more detached as she continued to work on his identity. He retreated into his books and seemed to distance himself from the investigation. And here's where things get even more weird. So many people worked on this, which is why it's so convoluted. Uh Dr. Phil got word of the case. Oh, good. And wanted to devote an episode to Kyle. they need it. Okay. Yeah. Also, sorry, I interchangeably use Benjamin and Kyle because Kyle was the last name he chose. Um, okay. They wanted to devote an episode to Kyle. And the I'm produced- sorry, did, did, any, did he have any reason behind this name? Like, Nope, he thought his name was Benjamin, spelled that way. And then Kyle, he just picked. Okay, he just picked that. Yeah. Okay. Um, when we do find out his real name, there's similarities to the Kyle part at least sound wise. So, Oh, so we um, find out. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah. We do find that out, but we okay. don't know why this happened. We don't know so. why it happened. All right. Yeah. Um, the producers thought he was faking and they wanted to vet the story. Uh, they actually had a former FBI agent that turned into a private detective interview Benjamin for several months. Uh, he also interviewed the Burger King employee who found him EMTs who treated him and the nurses who cared for him. He ran a background check on Benjamin Kyle and different variations of that name. Were there uh, like any but near this like dumpster where he was found? Were there any cameras or anything? Like No. Okay. Nope. They didn't they didn't say anything about that. Okay. Also, it was like a Burger King in the early 2000s, so like Yeah, I just uh I was just curious. Like sometimes Yeah. In from the my back underst- of, like, the restaurants, they'll have, like, right. something like that, but, okay. From my understanding, this Burger King in this area was not the best area, so. Probably, yeah, it was probably just, like, a janky-ass Burger King. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, like, a really great one, so. Yeah. Um, what, a, what are, a, what is a really great Burger say, King? do those exist? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're all pretty janky. Um, okay, so. He ran that background check. Eventually, he concluded that he was 90% positive that he was telling the truth. A neuropsychologist from Atlanta named Jason King also did a range of tests and concluded that he was suffering from dissociative amnesia, which is a form of memory loss brought on by trauma-related stress. So it doesn't necessarily have to be physical trauma, but... okay. Benjamin and Slater flew to LA to be on the show. Since he didn't have legal identification, he had to board the plane with a police officer. Wow. Slater didn't want to appear on the show, but was convinced as it would be the biggest audience to recognize him. Producers made Benjamin shave off his mustache and Slater picked out a nice brown suit for him. The mustache thing was frustrating because what if the mustache, like you shave someone's mustache what? off and you what? don't recognize them. Why did they them? make him shave that? I think they just didn't like the way it looked. Or but maybe like, they were trying to see if like someone would recognize him without the facial hair. Because facial hair does change someone's appearance. It does. But like if he was found that way, wouldn't you? Right. Wouldn't yeah. you it, leave it? Yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan of the Dr. Phil show. So. Uh, I mean, who among us really yeah. finds that fucking credible? Right. 
Sorry if you do, but yeah, I just can't. You probably shouldn't. The best thing that's come out of the Doctor Phil show is uh, don't catch. Don't. (laughs) I knew you were gonna fucking say that. Oh, I fucking love it. Catch me outside. Oh my god, they fucking glorified that little spoiled bitch. Oh, they did. She's still a little spoiled bitch, but now she has a record deal. So, (sighs) um, okay. That makes me want to kill myself. Anywho, Benjamin told Dr. Phil about the few memories he had. I hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Is that your dad? Yep, trying to get the dog to go out. Oh. (laughs) He sounds like he's really trying to negotiate with him. He is. He's having a full conversation. (laughs) It's really funny because the dogs. The dogs beg him for food. They don't beg me because I don't give scraps. And he's like, I don't understand why they beg me for food. And I'm well, like, because they get, you give it to him. Yes, you, you little bitch. Yep. So now whenever the dogs come in, my dad goes, do you have a reservation? <laughs> Terry, don't cut any of this. <laughs> I think it's adorable. I want, go, it. Oh. I want it all in. <laughs> he goes, oh, Frank, you're here for your nightly reservation. Oh, my God. That, go, sir. That's adorable. Yeah, it's really cute. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so that was my dad. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. That was really okay. funny. Do you have a reservation? <laughs> <laughs> you got to make the best of it when you're bored and stuck in the house, you know? Aww. That's cute. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, okay, Benjamin told Dr. Phil about the few memories he had. He believed he had come to Georgia to see the ocean and that he had three brothers and that he was maybe from Indianapolis and he huh. had memories of the streets in Denver. He explained that he was certain his birthday was August 29th, 1948, because he knew he was born exactly 10 years before Michael Jackson, who was born August 29th, 1958. It was just a tiny detail that he knew for fact. Did they like... Okay, he thinks he might be from Indi- Indianapolis. Did they mm-hmm. like check like hospital records? Mm-hmm. They did? Yeah, I go into that a little bit later. Okay, okay. Yep. Um, Dr. Phil did his usual bullshit because, you know, I'm not a fan, so. Well, um, I, I just gotta tell you. Oh my God, I fucking I, hate I him. just gotta tell, like, are you being truthful? <laughs> oh my God, I can't. I fucking can't. <laughs> I wonder why that little girl went off. Catch me outside. Well, I want to beat Dr. Phil's ass too. (laughs) So um, I wonder, I wonder if he did cash her outside. I fucking hope. I hope she knocked his bald ass out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so Dr. Phil did his usual bullshit, and Benjamin concluded the segment with a story. Several months after arriving at the shelter, he was given surgery for his cataracts, which a charity paid for. When he could finally see again and looked in a mirror, he was surprised by how, by how old he looked. He had expected to see a man in his 30s, yet the face staring back at him was deeply lined with graying hair and sunken eyes. Did this motherfucker time travel? 
I thought that would be so much cooler, but no. Oh my, that was my first, that was honestly my first thought. I was like, I, that would be so fucking cool, but no. Wouldn't it? Okay. Yeah. Um, he didn't know that he was so old. The episode huh. aired on October 16th, 2008, and was titled Who Am I? It was watched by more than 4 million people, and the show set up a hotline for some tips. Most were very vague, just like, I had a feeling I've been around this man. Or some people said he looked like an old acquaintance, like a neighbor, an army buddy, classmate whose name they couldn't remember just to like get attention yes several advanced exotic theories of his amnesia including mutant fire ants electroshock therapy (laughs) gone wrong Uh, (sighs) one woman suggested that he resembled her ex-husband and she stated he had a history of alcoholism and schizophrenia he always associated with the types who would leave a person behind a dumpster why why the fuck uh that's a bit of a stretch right like why why even call you really don't know your ex-husband in in the words of uh letter kenny it's almost not worth thinking about yeah it's just it's not it's just (laughs) wise words Mm -hmm. all right i gotta get a little drink sorry okay um They went back to Georgia, and Slater couldn't ask him how he was feeling. She remembered that he had been pulling away before, distant from the mystery of who he was. It hit her that trying to find his identity was creating a whole new problem for him. Hmm. Being missing is one horrible enough thing, but it's even worse to realize that nobody is missing you. Right? It's almost like... Like, it's almost, like, worse knowing. Right, yeah. Like, ugh, it's just heartbreaking. In February of 2009, our girl, Dr. Colleen Fitzpatrick... Oh, nice, but this is, like, five years later. Oh, yeah. Yep, this this has been going on forever. Like, (laughs) very long case. Uh, She contacted Slater. She flew to Georgia to meet Benjamin... Uh, Slater had actually left her apartment in Savannah and moved to a house outside of town with Benjamin. They weren't like romantically involved or anything. Like she even said that like he had no, no romantic interests or anything. She just felt for him. You know, he had nobody. Wow. Um, he had quit working for the shelter due to a dispute in pay. Uh, he was actually mowing the neighbor's lawns for money because without a social security number, he couldn't get a job legally. Mm-hmm. Social Security Administration barred him from receiving a new number because he had already been issued one. Mm. He was ineligible for food stamps or government benefits because of this. How do they know that he'd already been issued one? They just assumed. It was a, well, it's a whole bullshit thing. Oh, well, you're American. You just don't remember who you are. You have one. You just don't get a new one. Like, they should have made a special situation for him. I mean, they like, and I and I'm all for this. Like, they they make they make um, you know, they they accommodate like immigrants. Mm-hmm. So, like, why wouldn't you accommodate this man? Even a temporary one that could have, I don't know, like, how or often just, do you have or cases just, of amnesia? Yeah, or just even some kind of like, I mean, technically, there's no. There's no record that he is American. Like right. we we just assume that because he speaks English. Right. But like but then there's cases of people hitting their head and speaking a whole different fucking language they've never spoken before. So right. you know that is that's messed up. That's really yeah. messed up. He he was he got fucked a lot by the government and 
the people, you know, around him. So, wow. Um, as time went on, his memory started to get more specific. He remembered attending the Indiana State Fair as a child and buying grilled cheese sandwiches for a quarter. He remembered arriving in Boulder, Colorado, shortly before the big Thompson Canyon flood. In Denver, he loved the Mexican food at Mama Elena's and hated the service at a restaurant called Azar's. Remember that. Mm-hmm. He recalled reading copies of Restaurants and Institutions magazine in a University of Colorado library and watching the 1976 film Car Wash at a movie theater in Denver. Together, these memories placed him in Colorado from the mid-1970s to the mid-1980s. After that, his memory was all but blank. Dr. Fitzpatrick really liked Benjamin. She found him friendly and articulate and also couldn't imagine that there wasn't someone out there looking for him. She placed articles about him in newspapers in Indianapolis, Denver, and Boulder. She contacted the DMV in those places as well, as well as Georgia, and had them run facial recognition on licenses. She looked through birth announcements for his birthday, birth certificates, church records, and military draft records. She even passed out flyers at restaurant conventions and mailed them yeah. to shelters in Indiana. I was Indiana. just going to say, like, he's referencing specific places. Like, I wonder if they, like, went to those places. Like, Right. And his knowledge of all the restaurant equipment made her think maybe, you know, he was involved in that in some way. So restaurant conventions, someone might recognize him, you mm-hmm. know? Um, she mailed those posters to the flyers to shelters in Indiana as well. She even had Benjamin meet with a hypnotist, but he was unable to extract anything useful. Hmm. She then turned to any distinct markings on his body. He had no wedding ring, no tattoos, piercings, or birthmarks, but he did have those scars on his neck and his arm. An inch-long scar above his collarbone appeared to be consistent with the markings of a cervical discotomy. Hmm. And two arc-shaped scars ran across his left elbow. Benjamin thought they were from falling off a loading dock in Indiana when he was in his 20s. They took an x-ray which showed the ta- that showed that his uh, brake had been secured with two screws. Unfortunately, the type of screw was too common to be traced. Hmm. She looked deeper into Benjamin's gem- genetic makeup. She knew the FBI had already run his DNA through its database of 7 million samples and had no hits for matches. She wasn't interested in matches, though. She was interested in relatives. Dr. Fitzpatrick received a donated test from 23andMe and submitted Benjamin's sample. She was hoping she'd be able to build out a family tree, starting from the higher branches of cousins, until she could narrow it down to his parents. The test showed he shared a significant amount of DNA with a family with the last name of Powell. It didn't really mean his last name was Powell, but that he had common ancestors with them in the last century. He had some close genetic matches in the Western Carolinas, particularly in Transylvania and Pickens counties. So she put his picture in a Transylvania newspaper and started to contact other Powells to collect their DNA to see if they were related to Benjamin. After more than a year of work and hundreds of hours of her time donated, she felt she was on the verge of a breakthrough. Just when that happened, Benjamin cut off contact with her. What? Mm-hmm. And here things get a little bit fucky. Okay. Matt Wolf, the journalist who wrote 
this amazing article, which I got this info from, actually drove to meet with Slater for an interview. He stopped at the Burger King where Benjamin was found and stated it looked like an entirely plausible place to get your ass kicked. (laughs) 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 He met Slater at her house and he questioned her about Benjamin a bit. My first impression of Kyle was someone who was very, very smart, she told me, sitting in her living room. Highly intelligent, but all facts. He had a photographic memory for streets. He'd tell you about all different kinds of meat slicers. Zilch, though, in the emotional intelligence department. She, She repeatedly tried to prod Benjamin about why he didn't seem more interested in his identity. And he stated, well... You know, I've been in this identity, Benjamin Kyle, for a long time, he told her. And even if they figure out who I am, I'm probably going to feel like Benjamin Kyle. At first, Slater found his response both reasonable and sad. But as the years passed, her doubts grew. She began to wonder whether Kyle's amnesia was genuine. She said that she's sure there was trauma, but she thinks that he likes being stuck in the place he's stuck in. His mm-hmm. motives didn't seem to be financial. Several times Slater tried to raise money from supporters to help Kyle get an apartment, but he refused all donations. She thought maybe he was hungry for an obscure sort of power. She said, all these people all over the country trying to solve this case, that's a hell of a drug. Mm-hmm. When Kyle moved in with Slater, it quickly became clear that he was a hoarder. He would go to a dump and come back with catalogs, file cabinets, broken tools. He didn't drink or smoke, but he collected old lighters and wine bottles. Slowly, the house filled up with just p- mounds of stuff. Kyle also started uh, signing himself up to receive catalogs on the internet for restaurants, which he'd read cover to cover but also for office supplies and swimming pool equipment. He even started receiving right-wing political newsletters. I think he liked a lot of things coming in his name, Slater said, which is like so sad. He just liked to get mail that said who he was. He just liked to get mail? Yeah, that had his name on it. Uh, uh, All right. (laughs) I mean, I can get it, like, especially with like the nobody, nobody's come forward, so nobody's missing him. At least he's getting something sent to him, you know? I'm just I'm just getting the feeling that this guy's a quack. There's there's some stuff. Okay. Like it's I don't I don't think that he was not genuine, but I do think that there was some we'll talk about it at the end. I feel like this is my prediction as of right now. Okay. I think that the amnesia was je- was very genuine at the start. I think that he is, I think as time goes on, he's remembering more than he's letting on. Right. Okay. All right. And maybe just doesn't, and maybe it's like the overwhelm of trying to piece that all together and he just wants to, like, he has this life now, like, he just wants right. to be in this, in this new life that he's set up for himself. Okay. All right. Proceed. <laughs> okay. Okay. When Kyle moved... Okay, I gave you that. Sorry. Um, Kyle also began making repairs on the house and soon had projects in every room. After he tore up her bedroom floor, Slater slept on the couch for 18 months. Damn. It seemed like Kyle was creating problems just so he could fix them. Hmm. One of his things was to make himself indispensable, Slater said. He Mm. thought if he had unfinished jobs, he couldn't be kicked out. 
in February 2011, Slater had finally had enough. She gave Kyle a deadline to get out. She found him a shelter in Savannah, bought him a prepaid cell phone, and said she'd be happy to keep helping him with his search. The day before the deadline, Kyle asked to burn some of his old mail in the backyard. Slater told him no because it was really windy and dry and he didn't have a burn permit, which is something you needed there. He started a fire anyway and Slater ordered him to stop, but he didn't even look at her. When the mail had finished burning, Slater told Kyle that he had to leave immediately. She offered him a ride to Savannah, but he refused. He walked out the door carrying a backpack and that was the last time Slater spoke to him. I'm sorry, but their whole relationship is weird. Yeah. It's fucking inappropriate. Because she started out as a nurse with, for mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And then... In the shelter. Like, they worked together in the shelter. Okay. But she, like, she wasn't his nurse. Whenever she came into okay. the picture, he was working. Like, yes, he was staying at the shelter, but he was working with her. That's still, I don't know. That this it's is still weird. The whole thing is weird. That's fucking weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. He seems to pull people in like that, though. Mm. All right. So after he left Slater's, Benjamin began walking south towards Florida. Two sheriffs recognized him from Bo Preston's training because she actually put him into her training uh, because the case was so unusual. Um, and they offered to give him a ride to the Florida border. When he got there, he got out and continued walking. When he got to Jacksonville, he tried to enter a homeless shelter, but because he had no identification or social security number, he was turned away and ended up sleeping in a field behind the sheriff's office. Mm. That blows my mind. That's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's sad. I mean, how many people are out there and don't have their ID because it's been stolen or something's happened? You know nobody, what I mean? Nobody has their fucking ID yeah. at home. Like, seriously, yeah. like, yeah. show me 10 people. Three of them have their ID, maybe. Right. Right. <clears throat> and we can say that because... Like, we know that. Yeah. We know that as a fact. Um, <clears throat> so, he was feeling desperate and reached out to a film student, John Wickstrom, who had contacted him about making a documentary about his case. Benjamin told Wickstrom that he had moved to Jacksonville because Slater needed to take care of her sick parents. And Wickstrom felt bad for him, so he called a local TV station to run a short segment on Benjamin. Josh Schrute, who owned the restaurant Crazy Fish, felt badly for him after seeing the story and offered him a job washing dishes. But it turned out that Benjamin had an encyclopedic knowledge of restaurant equipment, how to work the grill, calibrate the deep fryer, store the pans, clean the equipment. He quickly became Schrute's best employee, always working past his shift and never turning down a task. Hmm. Matt Wolf traveled to finally meet Benjamin for the first time in 2014. He was still working at Crazy Fish and was sitting on the front deck of the restaurant smoking a mini cigar and reading a tattered science fiction novel. And where was he living? He was living with his boss. Oh, Jesus. I, okay. I say that later on. Okay. Um. Oh, Kyle wasn't convinced that talking to Wolf would help him. He stated that so many other journalists before him said they would solve their case, and none of them did. He had given up hope that his identity would ever be found. Eventually, Wickstrom set up a website and a Facebook page, as well as doing an Ask Me Anything interview on Reddit for Kyle. He made a short film about him struggling to survive without an ID, 
and it was played at the Tribeca Film Festival. After the film came out, Wickstrom started an online petition to get Kyle a new social security card. It needed 25,000 signatures to receive a response from the White House. It ended up with less than half of that. Mm. In February of 2015, Dr. Colleen Fitzpatrick told a TV station in Atlanta that she wasn't sure that Kyle actually wanted to figure out his identity. Well, that was my question. Like, did, did he even want that? that that's exactly what I was going to ask. Mm-hmm. Like, you kind of... He kind of said that he was sort of content living his right. new life. And she, I mean, she talks about like, it was the first time she had spoken publicly about the case since he cut contact with her. And she talks about it like, you guys all think he's probably some sweet old, like, you know, someone's dad. He could be a child molester. He could be this. He could be that. Like, we don't know. No, and, I'm, very, I'm very suspicious of him at this point. Right. Um, and later she actually asked on her website like why kyle's supporters assumed he was trustworthy when he could be anyone a month later kyle posted a response on his facebook page that you know wickstrom had made him Mm -hmm. um that claimed he had cut off contact with dr dr fitzpatrick because she had denied him access to his own genealogical data and had refused to share information with other researchers Dr. Fitzpatrick denied the allegations and people flooded to support Kyle's accusations. And among them was CC Moore, another genealogist who had volunteered to work on Kyle's case. Moore works. Oh, go ahead. Were you going to say something? I was just going to say, I feel like that's not true. What? Like Fitzpatrick's? That, yeah. No, the allegation against her. I don't think it was, but you know, they never said anything. And Fitzpatrick denies that that ever happened, but you know, whatever. Um, Moore does not help this case at all because she, I mean, the whole allegations against Fitzpatrick because they were work colleagues and they actually had a falling out over Kyle. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So um, she works in the same way that Fitzpatrick does, but she has the aid of volunteers she calls search angels. Um, and they had that falling out over Kyle. Moore said she was shell shocked, which is not the fucking proper use of that word but okay, that Fitzpatrick refused to share genealogical information with Kyle. I don't, I'm sorry, I don't buy that for a second. Nope, but this whole thing with her just kept trying to drive that home. Okay. Um, And if she denied it, there was probably a reason. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I'm really close to this. I don't want other people's hands in the cookie jar right now. You know, like, I could get that. Or like, I don't want the meddling in like, I, I don't know. If she did deny his access, there was a damn good reason. Yeah, you know? I, I guess uh, what I mean is like I don't buy that that is the the whole story. Like I right. don't I don't buy that she would do that with a malicious intent. Right. That that's what I mean too. Like mm-hmm. I, I think there would have been a good reason. Um, but either way, more you know just confirmed and was like she called the uh, the move unethical. Fitzpatrick was dismissive of Moore's efforts. She's an actress, Fitzpatrick said. She's not comfortable with her own accomplishments, so she has to steal mine. Mm. So that didn't really help either because they're bitter and bickering. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of getting like catfighty. It's like, yeah. all right, y'all. Yep, I said this is where shit gets weirdly confusing. Uh-huh. Um 
So Kyle's case had gone on longer than any case Moore had ever worked on. Several DNA matches seemed to be closely related to a man named Abraham Lovely Powell, who had lived in the 19th century. Almost all of Kyle's ancestors came from Northern Europe, Moore concluded, and his paternal grandparents and great-grandparents probably came from the American South. In May of 2015, Wolf returned to Jacksonville to see Kyle. The Crazy Fish restaurant had closed, but he was living with his old boss, Josh Schrute, who had a soft spot for the man who resembled his late father, who had been murdered when Schrute was only 21. More and more, the people around him were starting to doubt his story. Schrute, who was endeared to the man from the start, was starting to doubt him as he had such clear knowledge of other things, but always got vague when questioned about his own personal life. He even continually denied how he left things with Slater, which only made suspicion grow worse. Uh When asked, he said, we left things amicably. And Wolf was like, Uh. Wolf was like, would Slater agree? And he's like, I don't know what Slater would say. Um, Slater would probably say that she was afraid you were going to burn her fucking house down. Yeah. Yep. Uh, on the morning of June 2000, oh, on one morning, sorry, one morning in June of 2016, Wolf got a call from C.C. Moore, who stated that they found him. When she had called Kyle to tell him, he hung up on her and wasn't answering her calls. Wolf called Kyle and asked him to call him back just so he knew that knew that he was okay. An hour later, he called him back and seemed to be in shock over the whole thing. The missing piece actually came from the feud with Dr. Fitzpatrick, a genealogist in South Carolina, was a member of the Powell family, and saw the post about the feud on Facebook. So she reached out to Moore. She was on her way to a family reunion where she took several DNA samples from distant cousins at Moore's request. It helped to fill in the missing branches of his family tree. That still left a lot of possible Powell's. But one of the one of Moore's volunteers noticed a mistake on the family tree. One of the great grandsons in the Powell family had been misidentified. When they tracked down the correct relative, it turned out he had died in Indiana. And while most Powells were Protestant, this family was Catholic. Moore finally found a photo in the 1967 yearbook from Jefferson High School in Lafayette, Indiana, of a teenager who is hidden behind big black plastic rimmed glasses. His crinkle-eyed smile and lantern jaw were unmistakable. His name was William Burgess Powell. Okay. Kyle, it appeared, had been right about almost everything other than his name. William was the second son of Furman and Marjorie Powell. He had been born in Lafayette, an hour north of Indianapolis. As a child, he had attended Catholic school. His father had died in a boating accident in 1969, his mother from cancer in 1996, and he had three brothers, Furman Jr., Thomas, and Robert. Thomas had died young, but Furman Jr. and Robert were still alive. Robert, the youngest, lived in Florida, while Furman, the oldest, lived in the family's house in Lafayette. It appeared that Kyle had also been wrong about his birthday. Moore hadn't yet been able to track down a birth certificate, but two genealogy websites showed a William B. Powell born in 1951, not 1958. That okay. made him distraught mm. because that was the one fact was so that sure. he was so sure of and clung on to. Um, 
But he actually found out that she was wrong. He ended up proving it wrong. Uh, they went deeper into the, the records and William Brent Powell was born 1951. William Burgess Powell was in fact born on August 29th, 1948. So he was okay. right. So just so just so I'm clear, the they're alleging that this this William Burgess Powell is Benjamin Kyle. Yes. Okay. Yep. Um I I do I believe that they were able to figure that out with DNA. Like that's, you know, they yeah. they track down like his brothers and everything. Well, probably I mean probably through these Powell linked like linkages yes. and then um he yeah. already he had they done the DNA through 23 and me. Right. And it's I mean it, it seems pretty pretty solid that this is definitely who he was. I wonder where he got the name Benjamin. I think it just clicked in his head. I don't know why. It, mm-hmm. It's not even close. But Powell and Kyle, yeah, like that's, the O at the end. That's kind of similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, especially if you have like an accent, it could probably sound pretty similar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, Wolf went to visit the family home in Lafayette and to meet, uh, well, William now, his his brother Furman. He stated that they looked like they could be siblings, uh, and due to an accident in the military, Furman walked with a cane and had an impaired memory. So we have two brothers with impaired memories. Well, can't they just DNA test them? Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't think that they say they ever did because I'm pretty sure that like when they met, they knew like it clicked or something. I talk about that okay. a little bit later. Okay. Um. They sat down at a diner together because when Wolf showed up, he was going to go into the house and Furman was like, it's really bad in there. You don't want to go. So they, which is sad. Like the house is falling apart and he's still mm-hmm. living in it and he's elderly at this point. Um, they sat down at a diner together and Furman started to tell Wolf the story of their family. His father, Furman Sr., was from Honia Path, South Carolina and had served as a flight engineer on B-24s in the Second World War. His mother, Marjorie, had been employed by the Navy Air Corps as a photographer. They had met when they were both stationed in Boise, Ohio, and decided to move to Lafayette, where she had family. The Powell household had been frightening and just turbulent all the time. Uh, Marjorie's mother had a hoarding problem. And she would fill closets with unwarm clothes and porcelain angels. Furman Sr. was a quiet, angry man who drank a lot. He seldom spoke of his military service, but Furman Jr. suspected that today he would be diagnosed with PTSD. Mm-hmm. Beginning in early adolescence, William, his mother's favorite, became the target of his father's wrath. Furman declined to describe the specifics of the abuse other than to say that it was regular and brutal. Mm. Let the day let the dead bury the dead, he told me, which is from Wolf. I just kind of copied the quote there. It seemed possible, though, that such sustained abuse, one traumatized person visiting trauma on another could have primed William for dissociative uh, amnesia, which is what he had been diagnosed with before. Mm -hmm. So that trauma just kind of made him like bury everything down. Uh, When William turned 16, he left home to live with another family across town. The abuse just got so bad he couldn't handle it anymore. Okay. Um, William worked odd jobs around town. Uh, 
And when he was 25, he moved into a mobile home uh, on his own, which was owned by a family named Richardson. He ate dinner with the Richardson family every night, but otherwise spent most of his time alone reading and listening to music. Then in 1976, he disappeared. After he missed dinner one night, one of the children went to check on him and found all of his things were there, but William wasn't there. A few days later, his car was found abandoned several miles upriver near the Oakdale Dam, and they filed a missing persons report. The police, however, quickly located Powell. He was living in Boulder, Colorado, working as a cook at a family restaurant called Azar's. Uh-huh, okay. And it's really funny because uh, whenever... <laughs> Whenever they told him all this, I guess there was some there's something I got to find the bit because I didn't I didn't put it in because it wasn't I didn't think it was important, but it's kind of funny. The food there was really horrible, I guess. Okay, is what they said. Like it was just not very good food. Um, And he was the cook. Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. here it says, um, the police, however, quickly located Powell. He was living in Boulder, Colorado, working as a cook at a family restaurant called Azar's. Azar's was the restaurant Powell had remembered as having bad service. He said that earlier, that it had bad uh-huh. service. Yeah. Uh, and he was a bit disappointed to learn he'd be- he'd been a cook there. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> he had told Wolf that the food wasn't very good. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> I was just like, aw. <laughs> like, you cooked it, buddy. Yeah. Um. Okay. Their mother, oh, wait, where was I? Boulder, Colorado, working at a cook at a family restaurant called Azar's, puzzled. Furman sent him letters, but William never responded. For years, no one heard from him. Mm. I think his trauma was just so much that he just left it all behind and just couldn't do it. That's like, that's a wild, like, those things just make me think about how, um, like, how amazing and protective the human brain is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's insane um their mother Furman said never got over the loss of her favorite son mm. after she died in 1996 Furman and robert robert settled her estate and Furman asked a friend in army intelligence to run a background check on his brother to see if he could be contacted To his surprise, there appeared to be no record of William Powell. No phone number, no address, no mortgage. It Mm. was like he never existed. Wow. Uh, When Furman had last seen William, he had been a heavy smoker and a heavy drinker. And he slowly resigned himself to the idea that his brother had died. Still, Mm. no one seemed to know why he disappeared. Powell had been uh, reported working at a movie theater which was one of his memories uh-huh. in downtown Lafayette before he left for Colorado. He had been seen in the company of Charles Chico Goats, Goetz, I don't know how to say the last name, who remembers him fondly and called him Uncle Willie. He explained that they would sh- drink cheap whiskey together and talk. Uh, Powell was a loner and had no romantic partners and very few companions. One night after several hours of drinking, uh, Goetz proposed that they move to Boulder, just like spur of the moment, like let's go to Boulder. Powell had gotten a small settlement from a previous employer after he'd slipped on an icy dock and broke his arm. Mm. So he remembered that correctly too. That's right, yeah. 
Uh, they packed a few possessions and drove through the night. In Colorado, they worked in fast food restaurants. Goetz stayed for a year, then returned to Lafayette. But Powell stayed in Colorado. The last time he saw him was in 1977 when he visited him. It didn't seem he had made any friends and he was still living alone. After Goetz left him in Boulder, he was alone. According to earning records filed with the Social Security Administration, he worked at several restaurants in Denver from 1978 to 1983. But after that, no income was reported for William Powell. Until 2004, there was no record of his existence. After he received the phone call from C.C. Moore, Powell spent the next few months working to restore his old identity. He sent away for his birth certificate and ordered a new social security card. He and Furman began talking on the phone. He found it weird hearing his own voice coming from over the line. His other brother, Robert, wouldn't respond to any of his emails. So uh-huh. I don't think that they've even seen each other from what I could tell with this article. Like, I, and I kind of wonder if like something happened there that they're repressing. Like it's, it's really messed up. Um, in October of 2015, Powell in the company of a documentary crew for a reality television series flew to Lafayette to reunite with Furman for the first time since he fled to Boulder in 1976. Powell did not like being touched by anyone. Like he just has an aversion to it, which makes sense with his history of abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he saw his brother, they hugged. Wow. Yeah. Which was kind of like, so they just kind of like, they just they knew. knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he even said like, it was like hearing my own voice, like, you know, his brother yeah. on the other line. So uh, Powell actually moved back to Indiana because he was worried for his brother. He found a small apartment and was living off social security um as the weeks passed he made friends with the neighbors fixing their appliances and feeding treats to their dogs he told no one of his past he saw Furman a few times a week but he would not go inside his childhood home whatever had taken place there whatever had caused him to flee home at the age of 16 to cut all ties with his family to throw away his very name remained too painful to confront according to matt wolf so he pretty much just like went off the grid mm-hmm. but his brain like i mean he left he cut all ties you know um like because of all the abuse yeah right but then i think when he got so far away like it's unresolved trauma and it probably just kept cropping back up cropping back up and it caused that am the dissociative amnesia but okay do we have any idea how he ended up at the burger king no nope what the fuck like did he was he a did he drink like is there any mention he did drink heavily before he woke up as fucking benjamin kyle okay um he had an alcohol problem which probably contributed to some of the amnesia i'm sure and and to him being passed out drunk by a dumpster right exactly so and there's also no record but they tested him i remember you saying yeah and he had no alcohol in his system Mm. so it makes no sense and there's no record after 1983 and he wasn't found until, until 2004 so where I the think. fuck was he for 21 years and if you remember at the beginning he told a nurse he lived in the woods for 17 years oh okay but it so just that, a lot of it's just not making sense though like there's like, still gaps in that yes. timeline mm-hmm. yeah and there's always going to be gaps i don't think they're ever going to have a resolution is he still alive mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. To, to your knowledge, he is. Like, to my knowledge, he is, but I don't know for sure. Okay. Um. And and it was kind of sweet that he wanted to be near his brother again. I thought. Hmm. You know. Because if he's still, if he is still alive, I mean, he's in his seventies now. I'm looking at Wikipedia right now. Yeah, he'd be seventy-two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's still alive. Okay. He kind of looks like Doctor Phil in the picture <laughs> with the mustache. Maybe that's why they had him shave it because he looked like Doctor Phil. That's fucking weird. I so like with all these efforts though for to try to locate like relatives or anyone that knew him like the the family like the brother just never saw that he was old too yeah that's true like huh i sent you a picture of him okay but yeah i mean i think he just didn't see it on tv wow huh but yeah so that's my story that is a wild see that's the kind of shit i'm looking for and i can never find i just stumbled across this and like i said the wikipedia is real short like there's not that much information and then i found this beautifully written article by matt wolf and i did i i did you know i wrote a lot of it down but i copied and pasted a few things like the quotes and shit and like that ending about like how it was just too painful to go back in like i could not I had to just say exactly what Matt Wolf said because he worded it so perfectly. I mean, it sounds like he spent a lot of time on figuring yeah. this out. Like he must he have really been did. really interested. Wow, really that was did. that was really good. See, that's the kind of shit I want. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I I just didn't want to do a murder. You know, I love to do murders, but I just wasn't feeling it this week. So <laughs> yeah, and like you just want some more variety other than yeah. just like a like murder solved with DNA. Like you just want something a little bit different sometimes. I feel like this isn't fully resolved, which I hate that feeling of like yeah. I have so many questions that I'm never gonna have answers for. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just really big shout out to fucking to Matt Wolf for this because it was just the article's just quality. It's so good. Wow, and he did yeah. such a good job. And and then here we are, our podcast, just reading his shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is why I started out saying, hey, I got this all from him. Because yeah. I don't want anyone being like, you plagiarized. But, like, I just – some of the stuff I just – like, like the, the that last bit, like, it was just – it's perfect the way he has it worded. And, like, I don't want to take anything away from it, you know? Well, yeah, and some things, like, only – there are only – there's only so much information about. Like, if there's one really well – well-written article then right like that's all i have yeah (laughs) that's it so um and it was the best article out there that had everything i needed so that was really good that was super interesting thanks it was very like i said convoluted i felt like i went back and forth a lot with like weird shit that just felt out of place like the weird fight between colleen and cc but it was important because that's how they actually found the family uh, yeah and on, and that probably like and but that also probably held things up a little bit too oh yeah i'm sure i'm sure yeah but but yeah so there you uh, go this, this slater lady i have questions <laughs> yeah i mean i have questions about a lot of shit I involved mean, in this i'm glad that like he was kept safe for that period of time living with her but it's very very weird very bizarre i truly do buy the they didn't have a romantic relationship though because from everything you read about him he didn't like to be touched he didn't like this he didn't like that he just didn't seem like no i don't even think i don't even think that but 
Uh, I don't. I, I don't, don't know. know. I think she just truly wanted to help him, and it just ended up biting her in the ass. Yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. Wow, it, it's hard for us to imagine that there are actually selfless people out there who want to help. <laughs> well, uh, I, that's not. That's that's not what I'm seeing though i i don't know i'm not faulting her but it's just like they're like you said this guy could be anyone yeah yeah i know and like i i I, i'm so i would not go that that's a that's a boundary thing like i we don't know who this guy is you're not completely confident if he's being truthful that's just yeah I mean, I'm not sure I'd let someone come live with me, but I'd help them as much as I possibly fucking of could. Of course, yeah, that's one thing, but um, living with him, and wasn't it for several years? Yeah. Mm. From what I could tell, it looked like it was several years. Yeah. Well, that was really good. That was very, Thanks. very, very interesting. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I did. So yeah, that's all I got. All right. Well, anything for padded room? I have something if you don't. I don't. So go right ahead. Maybe it'll trigger something for me. Well, I just, um, I, I'm like, I'm like a speed reader. I have been a speed reader since I was a kid. Like I just, I, when I'm interested in a book, I just consume the book. So in just like a matter of like probably four, five, maybe three, I don't know, three or four days, I read this really good book. It's called Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. And it is by um oh shoot I'm gonna tell you because I want to make sure I'm crediting this lady but it was really good um I I don't like um I don't like books by that are like cheesy I don't I don't like um fucking like Nicholas Sparks but I don't like that shit right right it's super boring um it's Gail Honeyman that is the author um but and I was like I don't know this book seems like it could be kind of corny but it's actually really good and there's this kind of weird um like true crime-ish kind of twist to it um it was very it was like it was a delightful read I really really liked it that's awesome. Yeah, it was really good. Um, and I also kind of distrust sometimes when you see like the, it used to be like the Oprah book club and now it's the like Reese Witherspoon book club. Like right. sometimes I'm like, are those actually going to be good? And this does have a Reese, a Reese book club um, stamp on it, but it was very, I really, really liked it. Yeah. Awesome. It was a really smart, like uh, funny read that kind of had like this unexpected thing. So um I would recommend if anyone listening gives a fuck. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's awesome. I also love to read and it's a problem because when I start a book, I will do nothing but read. That yeah, book. I'm like that too. If I if yeah. I'm really if I really really like it, I will just I will just consume that book. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it but I like hyper fixate and I can't do anything because all I'm thinking about is that book. Yeah. So it's, it's a problem. Um, it's not uncommon for me to finish a book in a day because I'll just sit there and do nothing else. Like I mm-hmm. won't even eat. I'll just read. <laughs> um, but it's been so long because I've been in school and like, I, I just, when I'm forced to read something, I don't want to read for, for like leisure. <laughs> Yeah, so, no, I get that. But now you're not, so maybe I can read again. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly can't remember the last book that I fucking read. Oh, that's oh man. I've been tearing them up during COVID. 
like Barnes and Noble is like my heaven when we walk in. Like I can spend hours in a Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. I've I've like I like these um, newfangled like library apps. Um, oh yeah yeah yeah. Because I American used to be. Gods, by the way, I just remembered the last book you read. Yeah. Okay. I used to be very anti um, like ebook, like Kindle, all that shit. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that I. That during COVID, all the libraries have been closed. Right, right. So I've kind of turned to the ebook thing, and I do. It, it does have some benefits. So I don't know if you're like that because I like a good. I like a book, like an actual book. I do. But... So I like the feeling of the book in my hands. Like it, it's part of the experience, but also it's cheaper for the Kindle if you devour books. And um, I felt so. I <laughs> I used to make jokes about like how audible and like all that kind of shit was bullshit and you need to just fucking read a book. And then I didn't realize how ableist I was being because that's super fucked up up of me. And I didn't mean it in that way, but like there are people who can't sit down and read a book and they need audible. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? I've, I've thought that before too. Like you're not, you're not alone in that. It's like, I was always like, it's not the same, but the thing is you're still using your imagination. Right. And, And it's still, and it's, it's also great for people who do struggle with reading or uh, vision or, you know, there's lots of reasons to enjoy an audiobook, and I enjoy them now too. But I just wanted to comment that, you know, we all, we all grow and learn. And I didn't realize how ableist it was of me to say shit like that. For me personally, it's hard for me to get into an audiobook in the way that I get into an actual, like into, into reading. You know what um, the trick is? What? To get full cast versions of the audiobook. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Because I'm the same way. If it's the same person reading it, I can't do it. But if I get a full cast version, yep, I can do it then. I did listen to the audiobook of Stay Sexy and Don't Get Murdered, the um the My Favorite Murder, like the one that they co-wrote. Mm-hmm. And they actually fucking have Paul Giamatti in there. Really? Yes. Paul That's Giamatti awesome. reads some of it. Um so I did listen to that and that was interesting because it was actually them like they alternate sections. So like it's Georgia's section, then Karen's section and they read their own sections. Um, so that was cool. Cause it was kind of, it's like a memoir. Like they talk about their lives and stuff. So I, I think that you, I could get down with, I think you would like the full cast. Like I have the full cast reading of American gods because also I like to, read and we work so much and we're on the road so much usually not in the times of pandemic yeah but then that way i can kind of read with my audiobooks so like the american gods one with the full cast one i did listen to it too um and it was just chef's kiss it's perfect um but i love i love audiobooks like that so um that's that's the key if it's like a fiction or there's multiple characters is getting a cast reading one yeah and like honestly it it is still even though you're not quote unquote reading like you're using your imagination you're still right. giving like the characters it's it's different it's it's i think i feel that you're using much more like brain power listening to an audiobook than watching tv yeah oh absolutely you have to imagine everything and like yeah, and you still really have to, fully like, process it yeah and you still have to like create those worlds in your head yeah, yeah. but yeah that's hmm. I did download Devil in the White City because I have been trying to read it for years, and I just can't. I can't. 
And see, I'm one of those people, like, if I'm not into a book, I, I'll stop reading it. I'm not, like, it's too, it, my time is too precious to waste it on a fucking book that I can't stand. Right. And I, and, but or that I, I also can't get, get in moods where it's a very good book and normally I would like it, but for some reason it just ain't hitting right. Mm-hmm. So that's why I keep going back to Devil in the White City because it's H.H. H. Holmes <laughs> and yeah. I want to read it so bad, but I just can't. I can't get past like the first chapter. I get so fucking bored. That's, yeah, I, I get it. Sometimes it, it, it just be like that. Yeah, it do. Well, that's a good padded room, little reading, yeah. little audiobook. Yeah, that was good. That was nice. Um, I don't have an animal. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I always okay. have an animal. What the fuck am I talking about? Okay, I'm ready for it. Uh, I gotta look up the actual name. The giant African land snail. I want you to know that I also just typed giant into my phone and it knew exactly what I was looking for. Oh my god, that is a giant snail. Yeah. <gasps> you can some people have them as pets. I very much want one, but they, I think they're illegal here. Oh my god, they're like this one that I'm looking at is like honestly the size of like a probably a small rabbit or a large gerbil. Mm-hmm. They're usually they start out like blueberry size. They're itty bitty <gasps> and then they get big. Holy shit. These are huge. It's like honest it's like the size of some like the palm of someone's hand, like the length of a human oh, yeah. palm. Yep. Oh they my. can grow up to twelve centimeters in length and weigh up to six hundred grams. I mean that's in British because you know we measure everything in American. So I don't know what that is. But anyway, they get very, very big. Six hundred grams, two pounds. Let's see. Oh, I mean it's like it's almost one and a half pounds. That's pretty big for a fucking snail. Yeah, and I, uh, I don't, I don't want one, but I respect them. They're cute. I just like their little eyeballs. Yeah, uh, like I think they're cool. They're yeah. interesting. I would definitely have one if I was allowed to have one. Um, well, yeah. have you got? We'll tell you right now what I don't ever want: hmm. a fucking hissing cockroach. Because I'm babysitting one right now, and it's terrifying. Ew. Who has that? um olivia <laughs> uh, olivia no judgment but like steph and steph steph's daughter oh my god because they're in disney right now and she's like will you watch this the roach she I have- ha- oh my god you're shitting me yeah no so i have it and like it's not a big deal because i have a mantis so like i'm used to bugs and i don't mind but it uh hissed at me the other day and i screamed oh okay so, so i i like know olivia and her and her mom like i like that's fucking hilarious that yeah, so she Steph, has this. Steph is like one of my childhood best friends. Um, and her daughter is just a sweet angel baby. She that is. loves every animal. That um, is hilarious. Yeah. So she she has a cockroach and she its name is Cupcake. And <laughs> she loves the hell out of this cockroach. And it's Aww. And it's precious. So I'm like, oh my God, please don't die because Olivia. What do you feed the thing? Lettuce. Oh, okay. They're very easy. They don't do anything. I texted Steph and I was like, this thing has not moved from the sponge since you brought it here. Is it okay? And she's like, yeah, it doesn't do anything. It just sits. That honestly cracks me up. Yeah, but Olivia loves it. So, like, I'm taking good care of your baby cupcake. Yes, it's it's her baby. Okay. Now that I know, now that I know it's it's Olivia's, like Yes. I will never own one, but I will gladly take care of it 
for the sweet angel that is Olivia. Okay. So, Fair enough. Yeah. It's it's scary though. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> Rachel like hides from it. The, the I, cockroach, I legit screamed. Like the cockroach has the whole living room. <laughs> it's just in this little tiny case and it screamed. And I was like, oh! <laughs> it's scary. But anyway, so um I will not have a cockroach, but I do want a land snail. So all right, okay. well that's fair enough. Do you want to do social media? Um, sure. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Chardonnay and spelled out DNA. So Chardonnay A and D DNA. On Facebook, Chardonnay and sign DNA. Twitter that we never use is Chardonnay DNA. We have a website, Chardonnay and DNA.com. Same thing for our email, but it's at gmail.com. Uh, we have a Patreon, we have merch, so please buy shit, do shit, be Reach shit. Out. We have t-shirts, I'm really tired of them being in my house, so please buy some. Um, <laughs> and the Patreon's really cool, you get exclusive early access to our episodes a whole day before everybody else, um, and bonus content, you know, whenever we finally get people, you know, on those tiers, we'll start uploading it. So, um, sign up for the Patreon, check it out. Uh, support the show. Okay. Yes, please. Okay. That's all. That's all. Eat glass. Lick rust. Bye. Bye.